Praise God. You can go to Isaiah 53. Happy Resurrection Day. Amen. Isaiah 53. Let us pray. Father, we're so grateful for your presence. We thank you that you are with us. We're not without hope. We're not without help. We're not without strength. For you are the source of our strength. And Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. For your mercy endures forever to all generations. And Father, we thank you as we talk about the cross. Pray that you will help us to understand what Jesus came to do. That, Lord, I pray that we would apply these truths to our lives, that we would no longer walk in ignorance, but that we would grow in the light of your word. Father, you're so good. We thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to die for us, to die in our place, the perfect Lamb of God, the sinless Lamb, Lamb of God. We thank you that Jesus died as the divine Son of God and that you approved of his death by raising him from the dead. Father, we thank you. And as, as Christians everywhere across the world celebrate the resurrection, we join in and we celebrate the risen Christ. He is no longer on the cross, so we don't wear crucifixions. Father, for there is an empty um, cross and an empty grave. And Father, we thank you that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, forever interceding for us, making intercession for us. We thank you, Father. We thank you for the, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection and the intercession, and the return of Christ. Father, we are so grateful this morning. Grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe. Grant unto me your son and your servant supernatural utterance, that I may boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Isaiah 53 talks about the suffering servant. And this morning we're going to talk about the saving cross. Um, the cross is necessary for our salvation. Without it, we are lost. There is a lack of understanding of why the cross is necessary. If you and I are going to grow in the grace and the knowledge of God and his son, Jesus Christ, we're going to have to know a little or a lot, actually, about the cross of Christ. Um, it, it must be priority. We must study it. We must study the cross and the resurrection. And it, can, it, it can't be just an occasional, occasional study. Um, I remember this when I was in junior high school. The Lord spoke to my heart. 
to tell me to study about the cross. And at that time, so I didn't know where to start. So I began to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and look at the accounts of Christ and, 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 and the cross and the resurrection. And then also I studied the Isaiah 53. But outside of that, I didn't know where else to go. <laughs> so I went to the Christian bookstore to look for some books about the cross. And I found very few books about the cross. Actually, I think I've maybe found one at the time at the bookstore. But I found a lot of books dealing with um, self-help and the how-to, how to have a great marriage, how to raise kids in a godly home, how to come out of um, sexual traps, and all these diff different things. But I believe that we, we lack in the church um, a deficiency. We have a deficiency as it relates to the cross. What is this cross? And why is it important to us? Is it cold in here? Is it okay? Okay, because we have the fan zone, yeah. So, um, so we, we need to become a church saturated with a biblical understanding of the cross and the resurrection. So today I'm going to step away from our study. We've been preaching through 1 Corinthians. We're at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We got three more chapters. Yes. And then we're going to the next book. Um, so it's been probably about over a year since we've been in 1 Corinthians. And so we're going to step away from that to talk about the cross of Christ. What is the cross? Why was it necessary? What, what are we to do with the cross? How are we to see the implications of it in our lives? This cross needs to be understood. Jesus is no longer on the cross He's no longer in the grave. He, had, he is risen. He's at the right hand of the Father, ever liveth to make intercession for his people. So we must embrace this cross. This cross is misunderstood. The, the real power of the cross is not in the actual cross itself, but it's in what the cross represents. It's in the blood of Jesus. You can, you can get a cross tatted on your body. It doesn't make you more holy. <laughs> uh, a lot of people, they have crosses all the time, or they'll have a necklace. And there's nothing wrong with having a cross. But that, there's no power in that within itself because you got to, don't forget, there were, other, there were two other crosses. Yeah. You know, and so if we're going to focus on the cross and talking about just the cross itself, then we're going to have to say this is, there's power in the cross. You know, I don't know about you, but... Sometimes, uh, back in the day, I used to look at a lot of horror movies, and in, and, and in movies, they used to have the little cross. And they was like, let me get the cross on your head. And, and I used to go around like, let me get this and use this on my dogs <laughs> to see if I can get the devils out of the dogs. It never worked. <laughs> they were still bad, still um, peeing in the, in the house and pooping, so it, it didn't stop. <laughs> I did it on myself, and, and you know, it, it just didn't happen. So th there, there is no power within the physical cross, but it's what it represents. So today I want to talk about the saving cross, the saving cross. Not just any kind of cross, but the cross of Christ. And so as believers, we need to embrace this cross and understand it. The, the significance of the, the burial, um, the brutal, excuse me, the brutal execution goes far beyond the immediate, the immediate 
cultural context. So as we study the cross from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that it wasn't just for that time, but it applies to us today in 2014. Um, Andre Crouch wrote a song years ago, and it's in some hymnal books, that um, the blood will never lose its power. It reaches the highest mountain and the lowest valley. And so God's, the blood of Christ, there's no limit to it. So if we're going to know the God of the Bible, you know, if we're going to understand this God, a lot of people claim to know God. You hear people say, well, the Lord spoke to me about this. The Lord spoke to me about that. But the true test of whether or not we know God is if we know his word. Amen. Amen. As we study Genesis through Revelation, we see who God is and who is who he's not. And so. Um, the God of the Bible, if we're going to know this God of the Bible, we're going to have to understand the cross. The cross is the most important um, symbol or the most important event of the entire Bible. It's where God and man meets together and, and, and how God's justice and his holiness and his love are married. And so we're going to talk about this wonderful cross. Jesus is both 100% God and 100% man. And the cross of Christ is unique because Jesus, the God-man, died on this cross. The crucifixion of Jesus is the death of someone perfectly divine, perfectly human and divine. The death of Christ on a cross fulfills the ancient promises by providing a permanent sacrifice for sin that reconciles humanity to God. Our personal faith and trust in Christ allows us to obtain this great salvation. So let's read Isaiah 53. As Christians, we read the Old Testament in light of Christ. We don't look at it as just as Jewish scriptures, but we actually look at it as Christian scriptures. Amen? Isaiah 53, reading out of the English Standard Version. Who has believed what he has heard from us? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, Smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that 
that before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut out, cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made the grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many be accounted righteous. He shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. Amen. We can close our Bibles and go home. It's so powerful of understanding what actually took place at the cross. So my first point is this. I want to talk about the necessity of the cross. The necessity of the cross. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. The necessity of the cross. We're talking about the saving cross. Not just anyone's cross, but Christ's cross. The cross of Christ. Acts chapter 2, verse 22 through 24. It says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God, with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So here's Peter preaching to the people in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. The question comes up often, who killed God? Who killed Jesus? Some say it was the Jews. But I want to submit to you this morning that God killed Jesus through the hands of wicked men. Christianity is all about the cross. If there's no cross, there's no Christianity. The cross was the standard execution in Roman times. So if we look at the cross as... The, um, what we consider maybe the, the injections that people get today or the electric chair back in the day, it was the cross was actually a part of their uh, punishment for criminals. Two wooden beams were nailed together in the shape of the cross or a T. And some say that it was actually a T. Some say it was a you know, like a, like a cross. The cross is the universal symbol of, for Christians. As believers, we identify with the cross. Now, as you, as you see throughout the scriptures, you know that God does not 
revealing himself through, through signs and wonders and symbols or a form. It's even um, um, goes against the Ten Commandments for us to even um, have a, 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 an image of God. And so we know that, we, again, our faith is not in the cross itself, but it's, it's, it's in who, what it represents. And so as a Christian, we look to the cross, but not necessarily to the wooden tree, but we actually see it as Christ um, and his work for us. Um, the cross is necessary. Some, some believe it is not. Isaiah 53 verse 3 talks about it, tells us how people viewed Christ. Let's go over there. Let's go back there. Excuse me. I'm, I'm excited because I'm talking about the cross. <laughs> Isaiah 53 verse 3. Actually, let's start with verse 2. Isaiah 53 verse 2. For he grew up before him like a young plant. Talking about Jesus grew up before the Father. Like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. So Jesus was not somebody to look at and say, wow. There was no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. There was nothing desirable physically about Jesus. That may shock a lot of people because some people like to get the best looking people, the models of the day, <laughs> but not realizing that that one day will be nothing. Verse 3 says he was despised and rejected by men. Here's Jesus. He, people despised him. People rejected him. Sometimes people get upset when people are rejected. You feel some type of rejection. So what they rejected you? Guess what? These people rejected Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men. And he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, as one, form, as one from whom men hid their faces. So people actually hid their faces from this Jesus. This is not a pretty-looking Jesus, a handsome-looking Jesus, as my friend John Gray says, he's a pretty ugly Jesus. He was ugly. He was not, to, he was not attractive. He was despised and we esteemed him not. In other words, we didn't say, oh wow, he, he's, he's the face of America. He's the face of the world. And yet he was the creator of the world. And the Bible says in John chapter 1 that he came into the world and yet the world did not know him. This is the Jesus that we preach. This is the Jesus that we believe in. So it would, it would kind of tell us not to go after what looks good. <laughs> um, God doesn't look on the outside. He looks at the heart. Um, I'd much rather have people who have a heart for God than have an appearance like they have a heart for God. Um, whenever the cross disappears, true religion disappears. For there is no Christianity without the cross. And there are a lot of people preaching a gospel without a cross. It's not a gospel of Christ. It's another gospel. 
The cross is necessary to fulfill God's plan. It was God's divine design to, for the cross to take place. Christ even wondered if the cross was necessary when he was in the garden praying. Yet this is his humanity praying. Matthew 26 um, talks about this, verse 38 through 39, how he said, Lord, if it's possible, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he turns around and he says, nevertheless, let your will be done. Let your will be done. God did not spare his own son, according to Romans 8, verse 32. Let's go over there real quick. Hold your places in Isaiah 53, Romans 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. The saving cross of Christ. Romans 8, verse 32. Well, let's start with verse 31. I can't help but talk about 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So here this Paul is talking about, he's uplifting the glory of the cross and how God gave up Christ for us. He spared his own son so that he can reap many other children. This is this Christ. This is what we're preaching. That it, the cross is necessary to fulfill God's plan. God's plan was to save his people through the cross of Christ. Old Testament saints, you may say, how, how's Old Testament saints saved? The same way that you and I are saved. Old Testament saints, are look, they were looking for the promise. They were living in the shadow of the reality of the cross. And we are, we're on the other side of the cross. We're looking back at the cross. It's the same Jesus that saved them, saved us. Abraham believed God that God was going to fulfill his promise. You know, a lot of times we take the, that scripture dealing with Abraham and Isaac and how Abraham offered up to God Isaac, his only legitimate son. And yet the Bible says that there was a ram in the bush that, that Abraham took and offered up to God because the angel stopped Abraham for sacrificing his own son, which is a type and a shadow of God the Father sacrificing his own son. It was on that same mountain um, that Jesus died. And so that, that represents God offering up his son for the salvation of many. And Abraham called that place um, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord has provided. A lot of times we sing a song, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me, for me. Y'all know the song? <laughs> that song really isn't talking about God meeting my personal needs. It's that God, well, not that song, but that Jehovah Jireh, the Lord has provided, actually speaks of God has provided a lamb for himself, a sacrifice for himself. That is what the Lord is talking about. And then Paul says, if he spared not his own son, he'll give us freely all things. And so we have to look at it through the eyes of Christ. It is necessary. One, one had to die in order for others to live. 
Christ died to sin so that we could live unto God. It was the purpose of God to crucify his own son. It was God's design. Again, he used wicked, the hands of wicked men. The cross was the most evil deed ever committed on this planet. God's own perfect and sinless son was put to death by wicked men. At the same time, the crucifixion of Jesus was the best thing that ever happened on the planet. Yet it's, it's, it's one of the most evil deeds ever committed, and yet it was the best thing that ever happened. Blood was shed to restore humanity to fellowship with Christ and God the Father. Christ died for us. Um, old song, Christian rap song, came out years and years ago called um, I Thank God for the Blood Spiller. That Jesus was the one to spill his blood. He did not die for himself. Listen to this. Christ did not die for himself. But he died for us. He took our place. He was our substitute. You know, you, th you think about substitute teachers. You know, we really um, don't, we don't treat them right. <laughs> you know, in class, you just kind of like, you have the little straw, and you, you spit, spit on the teacher, or you talk, you skip class, you know, and even when Jesus came, they didn't treat him right. They didn't treat the substitute right. They said, you know what, you ain't the son of God, you're not the real teacher, the real deal, but yet, we, we thank God for the substitute. The cross has brought salvation to the world. Let me say that again. The cross has brought salvation to the world. If God brought the greatest good out of the greatest evil, then he can bring you out of what seems to be evil in your own lives. Did you hear me? Let me say that again. If God brought the greatest good out of the greatest evil, then he can bring good out of what seems to be evil in your own lives. It's all part of God's good plan. So whatever you're facing, God has a way of taking whatever is evil in your life and bringing the best out of it. My second point is this. The cross was necessary because it was designed by the Father to pay for our sins. The cross was necessary because it was designed by the Father to pay for our sins. Did you know that Christ died? He paid a price that we could not pay. We were so, so much in debt that it was impossible to pay God back. Some people try to pay God back now. They said, let, let, me, let, me, let me pay my tithes. Let me come to church and read the entire Bible in three days. Um, let me witness. Let me fast. Um, let me do some good stuff for humanity. You cannot pay this God back. You cannot pay your debts off with God. You know, some people talk, people talk about financial debt, but really spiritual debt is greater than financial debt. And, and we need to understand that. Thank God for the children. Amen. <laughs> Amen. There was a time we didn't have children. <laughs> so it's a good thing. Children are, are blessings from the Lord. <laughs> and you can see sin working within them. <laughs> if you don't believe in sin, the power of sin, just look at children. The rebellion. 
and especially the preacher's son. <laughs> He's the greatest sinner of them all. <laughs> Everybody is all quiet. Thank God for the blood. Amen. <laughs> I know it's the blood for Jesus. Amen. We claim his soul for the kingdom of God. The cross was part of God's plan because it was the only way to save human beings from their sins. It's the only way. There was no other way because Jesus even said, if, it, if it's possible, let, you know, let, let another way come. And yet he turned around and he says, not my will, but your will be done. John Owen, who was a great um, Puritan and, and believer back in the day, says there's no death of sin without the death of Christ. There is no death of sin without the death of Christ. Understanding sin is part of understanding the cross. My second point is that cross was necessary because it was designed by the Father to pay for our sins. Understanding sin is part of understanding the cross. You, we can't value the cross without understanding sin. The ugliness of sin makes the glory of Christ beautiful. Sin is doing anything that God forbids. It is also failing to do anything that God requires. Sin includes doing what God forbids in the scriptures, such as stealing. Let's talk about stealing. God commands us not to steal, right? Thou shalt not steal. If we steal from our job, some of us steal um, uh, paper and pens and, and using a copier for church stuff or personal stuff. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> if we still, or we may still by lying on our income taxes. Everybody got quiet in this Pentecostal church. Um, then we're breaking the commandments of God. Sin also includes doing, not doing what the Bible requires. Um, what are some of the things that the Bible requires? The Bible requires us to, to come together and worship him in spirit and truth. Um, so sin is a problem because God is holy. God is holy. Let's talk about the holiness, holiness of God for a minute. God is sinless and perfect. Would y'all agree? He's in another class by himself. He sits high and he looks low. He's holy. He's spotless. He's pure. He's another. He's not like us. He became one of us. Jesus became one of us. Jesus, God, Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. But he's not like us. He is, the angels declare his holiness. Angels day and night declaring that he is holy. His heaven is without sin. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but when you go to heaven, if you ever go to heaven, not that, okay, let me clarify that. <laughs> All right. um, if you're saved, you're going to go to heaven. <laughs> Um, I'm not talking about heaven is real by that little boy. Um, let's not have faith in that more than having faith in the word of God. I'm not saying what he experienced was wrong, but what I'm saying is I know Paul, who, who wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, said there were things that I saw in heaven I couldn't even say. And so for people to come back and talk about heaven and how oh, heaven is like this and heaven is like that, I mean, we, we're, we're not to have faith in those things. We're to have faith in the word of God. So you should be a skeptic of people telling you they died and went to heaven or hell. 
Like, mm, I don't know about that. But I know heaven is real because the Bible says it, not because a little boy had a dream, right? You know, not because somebody wrote they were 23 minutes in hell or 90 minutes in heaven. I mean, how, how, why should we have faith in those things and not have faith in the word of God? We, we, we submit those things to the, to the word of God because it is the source of, our, of what we believe. Heaven, his heaven, God's heaven, is without sin. There's no sin in heaven. The New Jerusalem, as the book of uh, Revelation talks about, there will be no sin in the New Jerusalem. For God is, gonna, God is holy and there's nothing that, is, that speaks of sin in his city. His kingdom shall be a kingdom without sin. So, everything about God is holy. And how many know that holiness is still a requirement for God's people? People don't want to talk about holiness, but you have to live right. If you're born again, it's in you to live right. Go with me to Leviticus chapter 19. That's in the Old Testament. <laughs> Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2. When you got to say amen. amen. We're talking about the saving cross. And in order to really value the cross, we got to understand sin. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2 says, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So we're to be holy because God is holy. What is holiness? Holiness is not for women not to wear makeup. That's called ugliness. Um, uh, holiness is not for men not to wear shorts. Some denominations say you can't wear shorts. Men can't wear shorts. You can't wear jewelry. That, that's not what the Bible speaks of when it talks about holiness. Holiness is really the fruit of the spirit in operation. The fruit of the spirit. Do you have love operating in your life and faithfulness and joy and peace and all these fruit that's listed in Galatians? That's really what holiness is. It means set apart for God and set unto, set apart from the world, set apart from sin and set apart to God and his kingdom and his word. Amen. So God is holy. Um, go, to, go with me to Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter, chapter 3. God is radically different from us. God is radically different from us. Exodus chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Exodus chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. We've got to say amen. It says this. Then he said, do not come. This is God speaking to Moses. Uh, let's start with verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So here God is displaying his holiness. The burning bush. He's telling Moses to take off 
his feet, our shoes, take off his shoes. Um, so it's not just the ground was, was holy because God was there. The ground is not holy because of a holy sake, but the ground is holy because God is there. And we know from Isaiah 6 that Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his, his train filled the temple or his robe filled the temple and the, and the angels, the seraphim around the throne declared that God is holy, that God is holy. If we ever get a glimpse of the real God, I'm talking about the God of the Bible, then we'll know how much we need the cross of Christ. Did you hear me? If we ever get a glimpse of, get an understanding, a revelation, an insight of the real God, the God of the Bible, then you'll really understand your need and my need for the cross of Christ. Um, it's amazing. Some people say, well, I know the Lord. I, I feel him in my heart. It's not a feeling. It's not goosebumps. It's not um, signs and wonders. It is the person of God. If God was to ever show up in one of our services full-fledged in his glory, none of us will be sitting here or standing. We'll be on our face declaring that he is holy. I, there will be no, oh, hey, I'm a friend of God. No, we will be on our faces crying, holy, 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 for the Lord our God is holy. We will be weeping before the Lord. And so people talk about having encounters with God. If you truly have an encounter with God, you're going to see how ugly sin is in your life. You're really going to repent and, and cry out. If the little boy really went to heaven, he needs to talk about repentance. Being in the presence of God requires me to repent of my sin. As the Puritan said, even my tears need to repent. God is so perfectly holy that it's impossible for any sinful, sinful human being to stand before him. You know, the scripture, you remember that Jesus, I mean, Moses said to um, God, let me see your face. Show me your glory. And what did God say? He said, you know, I can't let you see my glory, but I'll let you see my backside. And we know from, the, from 1 Timothy, it says that if anyone, no man can see God and live. No one can see God and live. So people say, I saw God. <laughs> if you really were to see God, you'll be like Isaiah. Woe is me, for I am a man with unclean lips. For I dwell among a people with unclean lips. So true encounter with the God of the Bible requires repentance. Understanding sin. And so sin brings us under divine wrath and judgment. We deserve to be cursed and damned. This is why the cross of Christ is necessary. It is part of God's plan. Go with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. We're talking about the saving cross. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save us from our sins. The crosses were God's love and God's holiness embrace. 
God the Father sent his son, his only son, to suffer and to die for our sins, his life for our life, his pain for our gain. Here is the love of God. Here also in the cross is the holiness of God. The death penalty is executed against sin. The sins of God's people are paid in full. Like I said the other day, I spoke at a church in Philly. Um, Jesus dropped the charges. O'Neill twins. Jesus dropped the charges. Paid in full. Case dismissed. The cross of Christ is necessary to preserve both God's love and God's holiness in the salvation of God's people. We see holiness and we see God's love embracing at the cross. If you know anything about God, God has to punish sin. There's no sin that is going to go without being punished. And yet at the cross, we see that Jesus became sin for us that we may become the righteousness of God in Christ. My third point is the cross is necessary to, to save. The cross is necessary to save. Anyone who wants to go to heaven must first go to the cross. It's amazing how many people want to go to heaven, but they want, don't, don't want to go to church. People who don't want to go to church are probably not going to heaven. <laughs> Just letting you know. Um, how can you say, I love God, but yet you don't sing his praises among his people? You know, we're going to praise and worship God all, the, all throughout eternity. And we're going to be in his presence forevermore. And if you're not, if you, if you don't like being in his presence now, you're probably not saved. You have to be used to his presence. For he's going to say, I never knew you because you, you never got the chance to know him on earth. The only relationship that we're able to take into eternity is our relationship with God the Father. Whether or not we had one or not with him. That's the only relationship. So when people reject you, oh well, it doesn't really matter. Just think about high school. You remember all the people who made fun of you? <laughs> Assuming that you were not the one who's making fun of people. <laughs> all those people, where are they now? <laughs> I mean, it really doesn't matter, but you were so concerned about being accepted in their little clique. Well, you better be, you better hope that you're in God's clique. <laughs> in God's kingdom. That's the clique you want to be in. I want to be more popular with God than I do the world. You know, I, I mean, God can use my popularity in the world to influence other people, but my goal is not to be popular in the world. I want to be famous in the eyes of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You must believe that the crucifixion really happened in order to be saved, in order to be born again. When we talk about, are you saved? Are you born again? We're not asking if you said a prayer. You understand that, right? Um, the devil prays. <laughs> um, the, the Bible says in James that the devil, demons, um, they tremble in his presence. So saying a prayer to Jesus doesn't make anybody saved. What makes somebody saved is that Christ, by his grace, rescues you from a heart and a life of sin. Do you see the problem with some preachers who do not preach the cross? The gospel isn't saying a prayer at the end of a sermon. I'm going to say that again. The gospel is not saying a prayer at the end of a sermon. 
It is the proclamation of the cross. If we don't preach the cross, then there is no salvation. There is no Christianity. The cross is necessary for salvation. The cross is necessary for salvation. So just saying, you know, adding on, okay, if anyone would like to make Jesus the Lord of your life, lift up your hands and say this prayer. It doesn't make you saved. There is no salvation outside of the cross, Bren, proclaimed. You must believe in the real Jesus, that Jesus actually lived a real life and died a real death in order to be saved. You got to really believe that this actually happened, that it's not a fairy tale. It's not just um, the, the Passion of the Christ movie that moves people to tears but don't understand why they're in tears. The real tears is that I need him. I need that substitution for my sins. I need someone to be the mediator between God and myself. I need a sacrifice that's going to take away my sins. Without that sacrifice, there is no salvation. Saying a prayer doesn't save people. It's having faith in the real Jesus and the real death and the real resurrection. Salvation requires an understanding that you are a sinner. That you have sinned against the holy God. Until you come to a place that says, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, I cannot be saved. Jesus doesn't come into your life to make things better. It, it, he actually comes and sets up a war within you. A war within your family. He, he comes to divide, the Bible says. He comes to separate those who are really saved. Salvation requires that you understand a Bible believer is one that believes that Christ died for them and for their salvation. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. You confess with your mouth the lordship of Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Confession that you need Jesus is um, confessing that you need Jesus to save you from the wrath and curse of God is necessary to obtain true salvation. Confessing that, acknowledging that, believing that God, that God sent Christ to die on an old rugged cross for your personal sin is vital to your salvation. Notice I said for your personal sin. You have to believe that not only Jesus died on the cross for the sins of others, but for you personally. For you personally. You, you take ownership of your own sins. Yeah, I messed up. Yes, I cussed. Yes, I did that. Yes, I have broken your laws. You, make, you take ownership of your personal sins. People say that casually. I believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Until they realize that they are sinners and they have, that they have actually offended God, they cannot and will not experience true salvation that the Bible promises. The cross is necessary, not just in a general way as part of God's eternal plan, but necessary for your very own personal salvation from your sins. The cross was offensive to Romans. Again, it was the, the, the capital punishment of that day. It was offensive because it said that you, um, this person did something really, really bad to die this, this kind of death. But not only was it offensive to Romans, but it was also offensive to Jews. Because in the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 21, go over there. Deuteronomy 21, 
It was offensive to Jews because, let's find out. Deuteronomy 21, verses 22 and 23. It says, if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, he is, to, he is put to death, and you hang him on a what? Tree. tree. His body shall not remain over, all, all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. For a, a hangman is cursed by who? God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God has given, given you for an inheritance. So it was offensive for Jews to die. To, the crucifixion, was that, that was an offense. And that's why you see Jesus was not crucified in Jerusalem. He was crucified, he was crucified outside of Jerusalem because it was offensive. Jesus became a curse for us. Galatians 3.13, verse 14. Christ became a curse for us. He was cursed by God so that people can receive the blessings of God. What a wonderful exchange. Jesus died a God-forsaken death on a God-forsaken cross. To understand the curse and the punishment of our sin is to understand how valuable we are to God. And that he would send his son to die in our place to understand, and what, and to understand what took place at the cross. Now, the cross is also offensive to us, to us as human beings. When we say the cross brings our high opinions of ourselves to reality. The reality is that we are evil beings in need of the cross. You are not that good. <laughs> Neither am I. We are wretched individuals who are nothing without the Savior. This is why the cross is offensive to us. The cross says that we are unrighteous. That's what the cross says. It tells us that we are unrighteous. So it goes against our high esteem of ourselves. We're okay. See, any gospel that says you, you're okay and just said this prayer is, is not the gospel of Christ. We're not okay. Bill Gates is not okay. It doesn't matter how much money he has. Open Winfrey is not okay. It doesn't matter how much she gives to the poor. We're not okay as human beings. And so the cross brings us to reality, to this truth, that we need Christ. It's offensive to us. It says that we are sinners. It says that we, we have not upheld God's standards and laws. The cross says that it was necessary for Jesus to be crucified because of the sins of, humanities, of humanity, including our sins. The cross also says that we're helpless. I don't know about you, but I don't like to feel like I'm helpless. But the cross says we're helpless. It says that we cannot get into heaven on our own strength and our own merits. <laughs> you, can't, you can't earn your way into heaven. You can't give away your, everything that you have. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, right before I die, I'm going to make amends. There, there's so much debt that we're in, it takes God to get us out of it. It takes the cross to pay for our sins. We need an intercessor, a mediator. We need someone else to offer his perfect life on our behalf. It's, it, it goes beyond ourselves. You're not that good. Neither am I. 
Christianity is different from other religions. Why? Because we cannot earn our place in God. We are helpless beings. The cross says that we're hopeless and helpless. It shows that sin deserves the wrath and curse of God. It proves that without Christ, sinners will perish of their sins. Every sin deserves a hell of suffering. I don't think you heard me. Every sin deserves a hell of suffering. How many of y'all have sinned, even this morning? I came in here, it was, it was dirty. <laughs> they had a party in here, and I was complaining to the Lord. I was complaining. I was like, this is a mess. Then I realized it's an honor to clean in the place that we meet. What are you going to do with your own building? <laughs> it may not be right, but your heart has to be right. It's service to the Lord. Service to the Lord. So every sin deserves a hell of suffering. No one wants to be told that they are helpless, hopeless, and unrighteous. Therefore, the cross is, of, is offensive to us. So when you're witnessing, make sure you tell people you're helpless, hopeless, and unrighteous. <laughs> you have to help, help them to see that in order for them to see the need for Christ. Christ doesn't come in to make you rich. Christ doesn't come in to make you healthy. Christ comes in as your substitute for your sins. He paid it all. The cross is, is a warning that we're dead in our sins, and it announces that we cannot help ourselves, that without Christ, we're without hope. Without Christ. See, some people say, I, I know I need him. I need him to dream, to, 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 to breathe. I need him to live. That is true. But we need him for our substitution death. I'm almost finished. The peace of, 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 the, peace of the cross, the power of the cross, the, trump, the triumphant of the cross, the humility of the cross, the boast of the cross. This is all found in scriptures. Now, the sermon would not be complete without take, talking about the resurrection of Christ. He died and was raised from the dead on the third day. We celebrate his resurrection on this day. God approved of his life and his death by raising Christ from the dead. Resurrection speaks of the approval of God. God approved of Christ's death being, the, being our atoning sacrifice. Our salvation would not be complete without the resurrection. The cross was necessary, so was the resurrection. Why is the resurrection so important? Three, three reasons why. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but it's, it's a starting list. Number one, without it, we cannot be saved. Without the resurrection, we cannot be saved. First Corinthians chapter 15 talks about if, if Christ has not, was not raised from the dead, we're still in our sins. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. Without the resurrection, we cannot be saved. Number two, the resurrection demonstrates God's power in its fullness. God's power in its fullness. And that's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 through 22. And then go with me to the last scripture. That's Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. 
My third point is the resurrection is important because it is the source of our resurrection. It is the source of our resurrection. Romans 8, verse, chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The very same power that raised Christ from the dead shall raise you and I from the dead. And that is our hope. That is our, that, that's what we're hoping and banking on. That one day we're going to be resurrected from the dead, raised from the dead like Christ was raised from the dead. For the resurrection is the source. It's like having an outlet, um, many different outlets, a strip of outlets. The main source being Christ's resurrection. And because he got up, we're all going to get up if we're in Christ. If we're in Christ. So what are the applications? We need to study the cross of Christ. We need to study it from scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, study it, get in books to, as a supplement to study of what the cross is and, and why was it necessary. We need to study. Number two, we need to study sin. To value the cross, we need to understand the, the, the wickedness of sin. And then number three, we need to share it with everyone we can. We need to share this cross. So I'm going to I'm going to recite a song, or just a, a part of a song called The Wondrous Cross. When I survey the wondrous cross, oh, which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss, and poor contempt on all my pride, forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. Save in the death of Christ, my God, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to understand the saving cross, the cross that saved our very existence. For we boast in that cross. We thank you for Jesus being the blood spiller. We thank you for Jesus being the one to take our place, that he died for our sins. Pray that if there's one here who's never made Jesus, understood Jesus as being the substitute for their atoning sins, pray that you would bring conviction, you would cause an operation to take place in their hearts by your grace that you will pardon unto them the gift of repentance, that they will acknowledge that they are a sinner and they are in need of the Savior. I pray that by your spirit that you would bring men and women and boys, to, boys and girls to the cross. We thank you. Let's take a moment of silence and just reflect on the message.